Chapter Twenty One of the Brownies and Prince Florimel by Palmer Cox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. And they lived happily ever after. Dragonfell had been rescued by the Brownies at a crucial time when perhaps they might have been justified in trying to save themselves instead. The water kept on swiftly rising, and it forced them out of the positions they occupied to ledges and pockets higher up on the rocks. To these all were forced to retreat, and the still senseless enchanter was carried after them by some of his cowardly frightened followers, who would have left him behind if it had not been for the stern command of King Stanislaus. Still higher and higher rose the water, till they were again threatened in their new places of refuge, and it soon became evident that something had to be done, and that quickly. There was but one passageway through which the water was not pouring like that of a swift mill-race, and this was the one in which the brownies had been trapped. As the water ascended, they were forced into it, and they continued on through it, well knowing from bitter experience, that the huge boulder effectively blocked the exit, and would hold them powerless until finally they were submerged by the relentless flood. But still they went on, hoping against hope, until they came to the boulder. It was still in place, and though they exerted all their strength in trying to remove it, they could not budge it to even the extent of a millionth of an inch. Brownies used sticks as levers, and the demons employed brute force, but all their efforts proved in vain. "'It's no use,' at last said King Stanislaus, wiping his perspiring brow. "'It looks as though this would be the end.' A sudden thought entered Florimel's head. A wild, foolish thought, perhaps, but not any more so than when he had aimed his magic arrow at the crescent moon. "'Stand back, all of you!' he shouted. He took one of the four arrows that were in the quiver and placed it in the bow. Then he aimed it at the rock and pulled the cord, making no particular attempt at a display of strength which he realized fully could not accomplish his purpose. But to the infinite delight and astonishment of all, a strange thing happened that made the eyes pop in from every head. The arrow struck the base of the rock, which at the moment of contact burst into hundreds of jagged pieces that flew up into the air. As they fell, they formed a series of steps that were as good as any mason could have planned. They ascended these steps with all possible haste up into the open, where the blue sky was above them, and where they could breathe freely the air that never before had seemed so sweet and pure. Looking around, they could note the ravages of the flood, for with it there had come a mighty tidal wave from the sea, with abnormally high water that had changed the low marshlands into lakes and had swollen the small creeks to roaring, rushing rivers. Just then a vivacious little mind-sprite found an opportunity to whisper to the policeman, "'This is leap year, officer, and to speak freely, I loved you at first sight.' 
"'Well,' said the policeman, with his usual composure, "'to speak even more freely, your love at second sight is not returned.' "'I would be willing,' she said, "'to fly with you to parts unknown.' "'That's the trouble,' said the policeman. "'No parts are unknown to the brownies. "'The world was our oyster, and we've opened it. "'We're just as well known in Timbuktu as Tarrytown.' There was an angry swell that caused Dragonfield's galleon to toss violently up and down, but it still held secure to its anchor and formed a picture inviting to a sailor's eye. The enchanter was laid upon the greensward by those who bore him, and he stirred uneasily while his hand sought his forehead. Then he opened his eyes and unsteadily tried to get on his feet, in which effort others sprang to his assistance. "'Where am I?' he asked, as dazed and puzzled he looked around. "'What has happened?' His gaze took in the brownies, and, in spite of all they had just done for him, it was not a reassuring one. But somehow they feared him no longer, for they felt that no matter what further villainy he might attempt, they were more than a match for him. But before someone could answer Dragonfell, Euphrosyne, the goddess of mirth, suddenly appeared in their midst, though no one could tell just how or from whence she came. "'Meddlesome spirit that you are,' she said sternly, addressing her words to the crestfallen enchanter. "'You can no longer trouble the brownies.' Your commission to do evil has expired. How so? he demanded. I made application for a renewal. Yes, she said, but through an error in the date, you were too late. Too late? he repeated blankly. Yes, by thirteen seconds, she announced triumphantly. And Beelzebub refuses to renew the policy. Great Scott! ejaculated Dragonfell with much chagrin. This comes of trying to run business without an almanac. Henceforth you will be compelled to be good, said Euphrosyne. Yes, said Dragonfell, in a rather shamefaced manner. It may come rather hard at first, but I suppose I will get used to it in time. As a matter of fact, I'm getting rather tired of being bad. There's nothing to it, after all. The only thing one gets from being bad is a lack of respect in the community. "'I see you're somewhat repentant,' said Euphrosyne encouragingly. "'It's a little late, of course, but still it's better late than never. You understand, don't you, that after this you're to let the brownies alone?' "'I should say I will let them alone,' coincided Dragonfell heartily. "'The brownies are too much for me.' They have beaten me at every point. Even if I were disposed to do them further mischief, I am placed in a rather delicate situation. I owe my life to the brownies. There is one thing on which I must insist, spoke up King Stanislaus. You must do something for these poor mind sprites. I will see that they are restored to their parents from whom they were stolen, asserted Dragonfell hastily. Furthermore, they shall all be given handsome dowries, with a beautiful solitaire diamond of a half-dozen carats, more or less for each, 
so that when the right young man comes along, the engagement ring will be easy. Here, the mind sprite who had expressed her preference for the policeman gave him a coy glance, but he twirled his club and looked the other way. "'It's too bad about your palace,' said the dude to Dragonfell. "'Oh, don't trouble yourself about that,' said the enchanter cheerfully. "'I never did like its style of architecture, anyhow. "'I'll soon have it rebuilt, and give the union scale for labor, "'with double pay for overtime. "'The palace was a rather tame affair anyway. "'I ran too much to the emerald, topaz, and turquoise in its composition. "'I'll make more use of the sapphire, the ruby, and cornelian "'in the make-up of the new structure. "'And those columns, I always felt a little weak over them.' as they were only imitation chalcedony. The real thing goes in the next one, if I have to import it from Palestine. The glances the brownies exchanged showed they felt that they had struck a master in his line. It is said that some of the brownies, to this day, annually celebrate their deliverance from the mine, and the reformation of Dragonfell, by proudly parading half the night bearing the implements they had to use while in captivity. So delighted was King Stanislaus over the general outcome that his blithe spirits found expression in a jolly song that was a great favorite of his, and the brownies all joined in the chorus. The words follow. I'm ruler of the brownie band, most favorite of personages. I sway my scepter o'er a land not found upon history's pages. I take my nightly promenade by anarchists unmolested. On me no bomb or hand grenade has ever by them been tested. If you could only see me dine, you'd find me extremely placid. I never fear a dish of mine is seasoned with prusic acid. Oh, you're all right. Eh, I didn't catch it quite. Repeat it, please. I didn't understand. Why, you, 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 you're all right, and so is the brownie band. I need no saber, lance or spear, to guard me whene'er I slumber. My people kneel, but not through fear. Love governs the entire number. My slightest wish they all obey. I never use any axes. I always let them have their way. They don't have to pay higher taxes. No undertaker need apply. I'm not for embalmment crazy. My subjects cry as I pass by. The brownie king is a daisy. Oh, you're all right. Oh, you're all right. Oh, you're all right. The refrain was so rollicking and infectious that when it was repeated, Dragonfell and his followers could not keep from joining in with the brownies, and they lustily roared out the words with a right good will. The delayed wedding of Prince Florimel and Queen Titania was celebrated very soon after in the fairy palace with all the joy and happiness that can come to such a momentous occasion. Brownies and fairies vied with each other in having a good time, and the walls rang with their innocent merrymaking. Everyone said that King Stanislaus was the life of the party. Dragonfell and his followers participated in the festivities, this time unfeared, and to the strains of a brownie orchestra they mingled with others in the dance. 
Dragonfell even tried to do the foxtrot with Dame Drusilda, which greatly delighted Euphrosyne, who was among those present. In place of the useless, cumbersome presents he had first brought, the enchanter gave the bride the more appropriate and useful gift of a dozen bushels of precious stones. So, in this wonderful country, King Florimel and his beautiful queen are still living and ruling wisely, and, to make their happiness complete, there are little children round them. To these King Florimel will leave the heritage of the magic bow and arrows, for life has glided smoothly on, and the time has never been so grave or distressing as to necessitate their use. But should that time ever come, the king has full confidence in his ex-fairy godmother's gift. To the palace the brownies come frequently, and it is needless to say that they are welcome, just as they are welcome everywhere. But they cannot be there as often as King Florimel would like them to be, because their kindly spirit takes them over the whole world to promote peace, good humor, and good will to all humankind. End of chapter 21 End of the Brownies and Prince Florimel by Palmer Cox